0: When we came here to California, we said, look, we could either start a ritual and a lifestyle that we don't want, or we can start one that is exactly the way we do want and develop the habits from there. And we did.
1: Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I have some really exciting news for you. Our famous Fast Foundations Mastermind for all entry-level and early-stage entrepreneurs is now open for enrollment once again. Now, I can promise you that this is hands down the best early-stages and entry-level mastermind that is out there. I promise. And for about half the price of everyone else's. But I don't want you to take my word for it. Listen to some of these past members' experiences.
0: My name is Kat Golden, and not only did Fast Foundations help me scale to a multiple six-figure income in under a year, I was able to establish myself as an authority. Thank you so much, Chris and Lori. Truly forever grateful.
1: My name is Alex Street and Fast Foundations helped me build my first course and confidently now do what
0: I'm made for.
1: Fast Foundations was the best thing I did in 2019 for my growth. I received all of the skills that I needed for marketing and PR and gained access to really high level entrepreneurs and their insider secrets that I would not have been able to get outside of Fast Foundations.
0: My name is Joanna Vargas and Fast Foundations helped me double my profit. I learned how to up-level my client experience, and I invest more to make more now. It was truly a
1: game changer for me. I saw measurable results right away.
0: And helped get me through
1: any challenge. And it's priceless. But also, it was a game changer in the people that I connected with. Fast Foundations was awesome. Listen, all those breakthroughs you just heard are just the tip of the iceberg. We have so many more of them. And if you make less than $499,000 a year as an entrepreneur- I want you to lock arms with us, and we want to help your business explode over the next five and a half months. So here's what you do. Rush over to fastfoundations.com. Literally right now, go to fastfoundations.com because seats are really limited, and they're going really quickly, and this thing kicks off the very first week of March. So if you want to be in this room with us working on your business and hearing all the secrets that we've used to make our brands explode... Drop what you're doing and go over to fastfoundations.com and claim your spot right away. We can't wait to work with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I am sitting down with my good friend, Rob Murgatroy. I should say Dr. Rob Murgatroy because in all of our text messages, I always make sure I put doctor. Now, when I say doctor, Rob is a former multi-seven-figure earning chiropractor who was just dominating the space, but woke up one day and realized he was not fulfilled and not happy anymore. And he had this lifelong dream of moving out here to California and living on the sand and living that dream California life under his own terms, the way that he wanted to do it. Now, Problem is, at the time, he had all these chiropractic offices. He was living in Atlanta, Georgia. He had a family he couldn't just uproot. And he had to figure out how to make that dream happen. So he was on this show, what was that, a year ago, Rob? year and a half? I think about a year ago, yeah. And during that time, you had not made the move out here. You had not made the transition out here. You were just then talking about transitioning from being a doctor to your brand new brand, Work Hard, Play Hard, which is this beautiful umbrella brand that teaches people how to have way more experience, way more balance in their professional lives. And you do it through your Work Hard, Play Hard experiences, and you do it through your Work Hard, Play Hard coaching, and all the other things that you guys do. So so I guess I got to start with this. Congratulations, because you are now an official California
0: resident. Well, listen. None of this would have happened if it wasn't for your coaching. So let's uh, let, let's be honest about that. I um, I was in a place in my life where you know I was at the tail end of a twenty five year career. If one more person told me their neck or back hurts, I was going to shoot myself. I couldn't take it. No knock to anybody in the chiropractic profession, but it was just time for me to move on. And I always had a vision of living here in Southern California, and I you know vicariously was able to watch you and Lori just sort of like, you know, emerge into this beautiful lifestyle. And, you know, there I am and in, in Atlanta, not loving what I'm doing and really wanting to be out at the beach. And I was like, I got to get out of here, but I don't know how to do this. So I leaned on you and with your, with your coaching and, playing a a process that uh, my wife and I play called Stupid Idea Time. We were able to figure out how to unwind it. And uh, I cannot believe that this time I'm in your studio, but I'm not flying uh, home. I'm actually driving home. Man, and, and you guys have to know for the record, Rob's one of my best
1: friends ever, right? So to have him actually living out here as a quote neighbor, I mean, he's a couple towns over, but as a neighbor is one of the greatest gifts in the world. Now, you were way too kind, giving me all that credit. You're the one that made it happen. And that's why I want to talk to you on the show right now. If they want to know about your past, if they want to know about some of those other good stories, they can go listen to the last episode you're on about a year ago. What I want to talk about today is we have so many people listening that have a case of the yeah buts. So they want to live in a certain place. Yeah, but they want a certain career. Yeah, but They want to have freedom or financial freedom. Yeah, but I could never walk away from this lucrative thing. I could never take my kid out of school. I could never ask my spouse to move. You didn't have any "yeah buts." You had "yeah hows." Like, yeah, how am I going to do that? So, talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I did. You know, we were we were super clear with what we wanted. That wasn't the issue. You know, a lot of times when I either I'm coaching somebody now or I'm having a conversation with somebody, they are they're sort of muddy about what they want. They more talk about what they don't want. You know, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be in this relationship. That wasn't our issue. Our our issue was more, how do we make it happen? And so, you know, all of the traditional ways that we wanted to make it happen were just, it just wasn't coming. So we had to figure out how to think outside of the box. And the funny part about thinking outside of the box is, you just you don't want to step outside of the normal ideas that you have because you don't want to sound stupid. And so, you know, it really took us getting creative and coming up with weird, you know, weird solutions that we would not normally do because we couldn't make it happen in a traditional way. You know, Give like, me one
1: of the solutions. Give me a real specific example. Here's the problem. Here's the
0: solution. Okay. The problem is that I have a chiropractic office that's making a lot of money and it is it's in a time where it's very difficult to sell the office because a new doctor doesn't, you know, they have, they're in debt up to their eyeballs. They can't afford a, a big practice and somebody who's sort of worth their salt will create their own. And, you know, I was just sitting there saying, I'm never going to sell this thing. You know, I've spent 25 years creating this thing. I'm never going to sell it. And so my wife and I sat down and we looked at each other and she said, you want to play stupid idea time? And I'm like, what's stupid idea time? She goes, anything's on the table. And I said, okay, well, what are you thinking? She said, well, there's a chiropractor across the street from our office, right? Why don't you just say to him, I will sell you these patients. I'm like, I don't even know if that guy likes me. Like, (laughs) I don't know he's going to want to buy this office. She's like, well, you said you want to play stupid idea time. Well, this is a stupid idea. And I was like, okay, that stupid idea was one phone call. I had spent three years trying to sell the practice unsuccessfully for a multitude of reasons. One phone call led to one meeting and we were out the door and we hit our goal December 31st was we wanted to be done with it. We signed the papers that week.
1: Wow, that's insane. Okay, so that what to happen about playing stupid idea time. I love this concept of stupid idea time. I've stolen it from you. I always give you credit. Don't worry. But we talk about it on the show. I talk about when I speak from stages because it's allowed Lori and I to basically come up with ideas that we wouldn't come up with otherwise out of fear of judgment. Yeah. And that's at least what I've taken away from stupid idea time. So this is so important for everyone who's listening right now is If you sat down with a partner or a friend to come up with some solutions, to to me, this is really a solution formula. If you sat down and come up with a solution to a problem, you have this filter inside of you. And the filter says, "Uh, uh, uh, that's a dumb idea. Don't say that. Uh, uh, That's not going to work. Don't say that. And you only say the things that you think are going to be good ideas because you're afraid of the other person judging you or saying that's a dumb idea. There's something magical that happens when you first say, all right, you want to play stupid idea time? And you say, yep, I'm in. This means no judgment. Nothing's dumb. You can say, I could literally say, well, what if we rented purple dinosaurs and mated them with red unicorns and we tried selling them? And it literally wouldn't be a stupid idea, no matter how ridiculous and unrealistic it sounds. And it has allowed Lori and I, and of course, in your case, it's allowed you and Kim to come up with some of the best solutions that have changed your life forever.
0: Yeah. And if you want to score it a little bit and have some fun with it, you know, let the kids go to bed. Take out a big white sticky, crack open a bottle of wine. And we've found that one to two glasses of wine will do the trick. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. Three will put you on the floor. And then it starts stupid idea time really starts becoming stupid idea time. (laughs) But one to two is like just the unlocking that you need to drop the inhibition, for lack of a better word, to open up some of the creative juices to allow some thoughts to come through you.
1: So I want to bring this uh, this conversation a little bit forward. And I want to shift from how you made this move happen to what happened when you made the move. Uh, something spectacular that I've seen happen to myself and that I've seen happen to other friends who moved out here and that I saw happen to you. And it's this proximity in a big ocean like Los Angeles, where the best of the best, the richest of the richest, the the most creative, of the most creative, like the doers of the doers they all live here or in New York. Now, listen, I don't want to hate mail. If you're an extraordinarily you know, wealthy, talented person, you live in Wisconsin, you live in Atlanta, or you live in you know, somewhere else. I know that there are plenty of successful, amazing human beings in every part of the country. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the highest concentration of wealth and success and the highest concentration of wealth and success on the other coast happens to be Los Angeles and New York. So you moved out here. You already lived in what people would consider a pretty big city, Atlanta, a pretty successful city, Atlanta, and you had your freaking eyes open and your financial thermostat reset. What happened?
0: Well, I mean, you know, like like you said, living in Atlanta was, you know, it was a great town, but it, it's not New York, it's not LA, and when I moved out here, it's really interesting because you're sort of like you always said this, you know, you're like one introduction away you know from meeting somebody new and being here has done two things one is i have a podcast called work hard play hard and normally when you're when you're booking a guest you know they're not flying to atlanta unless i'm doing a hip hop artist you know i'm not, i'm i'm not having them on the show well having a podcast here has I can't tell you how many times people say, well, I'll just come over to your house and we'll do it together. Well- It when, took you by surprise at first. It took me by surprise. I was like, I got to clean the place. I mean, this is, you know, like, I, I've got to, like, this is a whole, I got to create a studio. And, and so what it, what it has then done is it's allowed relationships that I, you know, when, look, you have to build a relationship and there's only so much that you can do over the internet, on a phone call, we're busy. But when you're in a location and you have actual proximity where you, like I can jump in my car and say, hey, Chris, I got a question for you. Well, come over the house. That proximity has allowed me to make so many new connections that I would have never, ever, ever made living in Atlanta. Do you have
1: one in mind? A a new connection that you went to made living in Atlanta? Well. Put me on the spot here. Um, and while you're thinking, I love what you said, proximity is power, guys. There's You can't replace, while you think about that, I want, I want to make this statement. No matter how ambitious you are, no matter how good of a connector you are, no matter how driven you are, if you don't live within proximity of the people that you truly want to work with, you're just not going to be able to form the same relationship. Here's why. The difference between, oh, let me fly out and see you sometime versus, hey, I'm going to SoulCycle. Why don't you join me for that? We'll grab coffee afterwards. That is a game changing difference.
0: Okay, I got one. When I was living in Atlanta, maybe let's call it eight years ago, when sort of like Instagram just started, I was searching for locations where I wanted to live in LA. And I saw this area called Manhattan Beach. And I noticed that there was a girl who had a product um, at the time called, she still does, called Tone It Up. And I'm not a female that's into fitness, but her brand was so beautifully done of this sort of beach lifestyle. And I know a lot of you that are listening probably know exactly who I'm talking about, the, the Tone It Up girls. It was so beautifully done that I became a fan of following You know her and what she's doing on Instagram, et cetera. And we have dinner one night. And who am I having dinner with? I'm having dinner with her husband, which then led to, hey, why don't you come over the house for New Year's Eve? And here I am. I've followed this girl, didn't know her. And now I'm spending New Year's Eve with her. At a pajama party, of all things. What a cool (laughs) thing. At a pajama party, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, and by the way, uh you know, people say don't meet your heroes. It is not the case for her. She's um her and her husband are, are absolutely beautiful people.
1: Now obviously I know Karina and Katrina and you're talking about Katrina and Brian, Brian her husband, and Brian's a dear friend of ours. And um I mean it's Katrina's too. I didn't mean to make it sound that way, but the point I was making is when you were living in Atlanta, had you reached out to um Katrina and Brian or Katrina and Karina and said, Hey, I would love to collaborate sometime, they're gonna dismiss you. They're going to say, unless our paths cross, we're too busy. You're too busy. You seem like a great guy doing great things, but it's just going to be too cumbersome to collaborate. Now that you live out here, the proximity has worked in your favor so that There aren't just collaborations on the table. There's literally
0: you're at the table. You're breaking bread at the table. Yes, that doesn't happen without proximity. No, and sometimes it's just showing up. Like sometimes it's like literally, you know, it's not a question of whether or not you have some value that you can offer them. But if you're not physically around where they can, where you can have a lunch, or you can have a dinner, or you can have an introduction, it's never going to happen.
1: Okay, so. Let's give some people a bone, though. If they can't pick up and move to California, which listen, not everyone wants to. There's a lot of bad parts about living here too. If they can't pick up and move to New York, what are some things they can do to at least increase their chances of building these relationships and having some proximity uh, to the people that they truly want to meet with and collaborate
0: with? You know, look, it it comes down to for me, it's just adding value. You know, everybody's always looking for what. You know, what's in it for me and how can I get them on my podcast? How can I get them to endorse the front of my book or, you know, whatever it is? But when you're providing real value and you're sharing their contents, I think that's the probably the first way to do it. I mean, you, you, Chris are the absolute master at truly sharing. People's wins with the world. I don't know anybody who is more excited about the wins than you are, Chris. You doesn't matter who it is or what they're doing. You are high fiving them all the way, and I think that's that. That's a great step. Well, number one, I appreciate that, but number two, you're right.
1: If you don't live within proximity where you can build these relationships in person, you better be working overtime to find value that they. I, I have a list of. Human beings in my head. And I keep an eye out and an ear out for what they need and how I can solve problems for them. And when you're that intentional about it, guess what shows up? Solutions. And you're able to go to them and say, Hey, I remember back when you said you had this goal. I remember back when you said you want to meet this person. I remember back when you said you had this problem. Well, as life would have it, I know so and so, or I can do this, or I can do that. And that doesn't happen without that real intentionality of wanting. To notice and wanting to
0: solve what people's needs are. You know, there's also the law of reciprocity. I mean, like, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for you because of your non, like, I don't want to make this show all about you because everybody loves you. That's why they're listening to this show. But it, let's just take Chris out of it for the sake of this conversation. When you are sharing so much, when you're doing so much for somebody else. All they want to do is just... The the law of reciprocity kicks in. Yeah, it absolutely does. So
1: I want to go back to this question I just asked you because you bounced around one of the answers I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I said, when you moved out here, something happened to you and your financial thermostat. We just had this conversation at Soho House the other day. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Explain
1: what happens, like the second benefit of
0: living where all the doers are. Okay, so... The first weekend I'm here, I'm having, uh, I I won't mention any names. First weekend I'm here, I'm having dinner with somebody. And he is telling me about how the offer is just about signed on his $27 million exit. And I went, wow, that's crazy. And then I, the following weekend, I have dinner with you and we talk with, um, one of the guys that is in the process of sealing a $100 million exit. And so I can go on and on and on. Now I've been here, this will be almost the third month that we're here. And when you're surrounded by people that are doing 20, 30, 50, 80, $100 million exits, you cannot help but look at what you're doing and seeing how you can level your game up because it you start to like, you look and you go, well, you definitely have a great product and you're definitely a nice guy or girl, but I, why can't I do that? I mean, why couldn't I reverse engineer and do it because like, you don't have a cape on. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're not doing anything wildly different. They're not doing anything you couldn't do. Not doing anything I couldn't do.
1: Yeah. That's right. But the thing is, did it dawn on you to build and sell a $100 million brand when you were living in Atlanta? No. It, like, it wasn't even in your hemisphere. Why? No, no. Because that wasn't the world that I was around. Yeah. And, and so how many people now would you be able to list, don't list them, but th- that you personally have met since you've been out here that is going to sell a company for, let's say, $25 million or up in the next 24 months?
0: I could probably list out off the top of my head, 8 to 10. And if I had time, maybe 15 or 20. And so what's
1: changed about your goals? What's changed
0: about my goals is that I had to take a real hard look at myself and realize the value that I, the value that I have to offer and what I can do to level up to make it bigger. Yeah. You ask better questions
1: now of yourself. You literally, it's no longer like, how do I make a couple million dollars a year? The question becomes, how do I create a $50 million net worth? And you ask better questions because you're around. People doing
0: different things. Yes. And when you're a, not only that's on the high level, but on the other level is when you're when you're around that network of people, then you have an opportunity to actually ask those people, mm-hmm. hey, what do you think about this idea? What did you do when you were struggling with this? What did what did the first, second, or third year look like? What are the mistakes that you're making now that you're seeing? And they will share it with you. So You're right. The proximity is everything. The network is everything. And the ability to navigate through that network is super important as well.
1: All right. So I want to shift gears again because you are one of the most well traveled human beings I've ever met. Hence your whole brand, work hard, play hard. Like you are the epitome of making sure you are playing hard and experiencing life at its fullest. Matter of fact, how many hours a day do you work right now? You have a routine that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's a little bit embarrassing, but I'll, I'll just I'll own it. I uh, I get up without an alarm clock, uh, probably around six or seven o'clock. I've got a morning routine which I can go into at a later time, but basically it runs a couple of hours. All for it, your hair, right? It's all for my hair <laughs> um, and meditating uh, and stretching, etc. I uh, walk my five year old daughter, our five year old daughter Sophia, uh, to school, and then uh, I'm off to. Yoga in Manhattan Beach, and it's really kind of interesting because it's me and all the women in Manhattan Beach <laughs> doing yoga. You know, as they're doing their 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 up dog, all I see is diamonds that are in my face that's around me. It's really funny. And then uh, come back, take a shower, and I start work um, around noon. Um, and that is, you know, doing podcasts, doing coaching calls, um, booking, uh, the next event, uh, for the work hard, play hard experience. And that stops around three. And then I go to school, pick up Sophia at three and then, um, it's done. Okay. So three hours. What kind of
1: limiting beliefs creep in when you're working that kind of schedule? And then the reverse question, what kind of boundaries have you set or, uh, tools have you created? To make sure that you can work that type of schedule. Because that's like the dream schedule for everyone. Because you're still this extravagant seven-figure earner.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I, I think the, first, the first one is that I got from a, um, a mutual friend of ours, Allison Nobrega. Um, she's just really great. And she spoke at, at your mastermind. And um, one of the things that she said to me was that there's a limiting belief that, it has, that you have to work hard to make a lot of money. And that you don't necessarily have to work hard. That's just- That's that, powerful. That's just a belief. Yeah. And I was like, I took that one to heart. Um, the second thing as a side note is, again, in your mastermind, you talked about creating a container for your life and what you, how many hours you want to work, and, et cetera. And I took that one to heart. So those two things. Now, what was the second part of that question? I forgot.
1: Okay, so those were limiting beliefs that you had to address. What are some uh, boundaries or processes or tools you've created to make sure you can live this, you know, abbreviated workday and still have a lot of success.
0: Well, I, I I think when you when you're married and you have a child, you have to make sure that there that there is a consensus with the wife of or your spouse of what you want to do and how you want to do it. So the two of us have agreed that we you know we set some boundaries or priorities, and the priorities are that we you know we don't work on the weekends, um, that we're committed. To um, walking uh, Sophia to school ourselves together as a couple and picking her up together as a couple. And I'm also committed to being a dad when she gets home from school so that, you know, I'm not just the dad that gets home at seven o'clock at night and reads her a story and she goes to bed. So I want her to open her eyes and see me. I want to drop her off at school. I want to, I want her to pick her up from school and then I want to, you know, I have a rule that when she gets home from school, I get down on the floor and I play with her for, you know, an hour or however much time I need to, and then we have dinner every single night as a family. Okay, I got stand up for my listener here. They're going to say, "Well,
1: I have those wants too." You use the word I want to be home with her. I want to walk her school. Yet what's the difference between you and I? Why are you doing it and living it? And why do other people who want the same thing, why haven't they yet achieved that?
0: Because I put the big rocks in place now. I finally hit a point in my life where I was like, what are those big rocks? And, you know, it's not like, like I don't want to give the illusion that, you know, it's like I work 25 years and so I've got, you know, I've got just millions and millions of dollars. And so I get the time to do whatever. And this time, when I came at it again for the second time, I said, what do I want my lifestyle to be? And the big rocks were, Everything that I just described, there's going to be time with my family, there's going to be time with my wife, there's going to be playing and this, I'm not going to work on the weekends. We're going to take eight weeks, a year off. And I put all of that in front of me. And then I said, okay, well, how much money do I need to make to be able? And so I reverse engineered it. And so we just, when, when we came here to California, we said, look, we could either start a ritual and a lifestyle that we don't want, or we can start one that is exactly the way we do want and develop the habits from there. And we did. And so we had to say, okay, well, if this is what we want, what are the products we need to create? And what, you know, just basically I I can go on and on, but we essentially reverse engineered what we wanted.
1: I'm gonna say something I'll challenge people out there. And that is this, you had the same wants as them. You wanted it so much more that you were willing to put those non-negotiable boundaries in place. And I mean this with love, so I hope it's a wake-up call for someone who wants these things but have not put the non-negotiable boundaries in place. Here's another example. You're not alone. I interviewed a good friend, uh, Rory Vaden, yesterday, and he has two young children, and he and his wife, AJ, they have a non-negotiable big rock. I'm going to use your term. It literally picture putting these big rocks in the yard where you can't move them. And, uh, their big rock is they're done working at 530 despite having an eight figure business and tons of team and tons of employee every single night. That was a non negotiable big rock that they have chosen to want so bad that they made it non negotiable. And that's what I see in you. And so to everyone listening, you are close to this lifestyle. You just haven't wanted it bad enough to make the bold choices and put the big rocks in place.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, when we were, before we came out here, we, we literally sat down and we reverse engineered exactly what we wanted to look like. Like for example, it's it's kind of like a dream, that, you know. We have a weekly meeting, and so we played stupid idea time, and we said, "What if we had a weekly meeting on the beach?" And so every Wednesday morning, we go to the beach, and I got to tell you, it's it's a pretty inspiring place to have um, to, to have a weekly meeting. So it was. I think for anybody listening, and if I had to give myself this advice, I would, I would say take the time to get really, really clear on what it is exactly that you want. And once you're really clear and you're very intentional about visualizing it, seeing it, and stepping into it, then every day you'll get a little bit closer to it.
1: Mm, I love that. Okay. i going to switch gears one more time. Uh you're one of the most well traveled people I know. I said that a couple of minutes earlier. How many stamps in a passport does your daughter Sophia who is just she's 5, right? She's 5,
0: yeah. How many stamps in a passport does she have? I don't know how many she's had, but she's she's been to 16 countries and we are on, we're on her second passport. It's really funny to look at her passport because her her, her photo in the passport, she was just born. So <laughs> it's a baby. It's, a, it's, it's literally a baby. And so it's really funny because the, um, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of time that you can have on the passport. And so, she, you know, babies change so quickly. And so the passport control is always looking at her and, and they, they laugh at it because it's, you know, they, they grow up, but she's been to a lot of countries. In fact, we just got back from uh, four months uh, in Europe. And uh, those last, we went all over Europe, but those last two months were in Florence, Italy. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting when you, when you take a, uh, a five-year-old to countries where, you know, kids don't speak the language. And so she had to learn how to walk up to a kid in a park in Rome and say, Ciao, mi chiamo Sofia, mm, you know. <laughs> so cute. So here's my question for you.
1: You spend so much time in other countries, uh, and the evidence is, you know, Sophia's passport, 16 countries on her second passport at five years old. My question for you is what is a lesson that you see them truly live in other countries that we need to embody
0: more here when it comes to our balance, when it comes to work hard, play hard? Well, it's it's really interesting because you know, like I said, we spent four months in Europe, and there wasn't one time where somebody asked me what I did for a living. There wasn't one time where we had a conversation about um, business. It like never came up. It was really weird, but I didn't realize that it didn't happen. It was more conversations around life, values, family, a lot of food in Italy, um, culture, art. Wine, a lot of conversations around wine. And it was come over the house and let, let's let let the kids play together. Come over the villa. You know, a friend of mine's, we have friends now have a villa in Tuscany. And none of those, there were all conversations around living. Almost, um, I can't think of the word, but it, it, it's it's almost like hedonistic. That's the word I'm looking for. It's very- Like a big wife swap thing on an island? Not hedonism? Not that one. But um, it was hedonistic where you're going into the things like amazing food, amazing conversations, amazing wine, amazing fashion, amazing beauty. And they just, I, you know, I had a conversation with somebody and he, he said to me, he said, you know, you, I don't want to get deep into politics. He said, but you've, you've, your country has never been attacked. You know, you had 9-11, but that's kind of it. And until you've had a tank, roll through your country where you don't know where food is coming from. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to live or die. You, the DNA of the country changes and you start start valuing Life. life and the important things in life. And he said, you- he said, "Your your country reminds America." He said, "Your country reminds me of Britney Spears. You're kind of like you're kind of like a 16 year old girl that you just haven't quite figured it out yet, but you're but you're getting close." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You know, a lot of the Americans that I meet, a lot of North Americans, they're still kind of working their ego out." Yeah. He said, "We worked that out three thousand years ago."
1: Wow, it's a good point though. Like they just and this is probably I guess the answer I was looking for. I didn't know what I was looking for when I asked that, but. They just value life so much more that they're going to stop and thoroughly and slowly enjoy the roses while we happen to walk by the rose garden having a business conversation.
0: Yeah. And you can hear it in the language when you, hear, when you start to understand Italian. And, you know, in the case of, of Italy or France, you start hearing things like, let's share a moment together. Mm. They, they get that things happen in. Moments and they don't really plan. Like, if you're having dinner with an Italian at eight o'clock, it's a suggestion. It's nine, 10. Yeah. You know, so they embrace, uh, you know, they call it uh, La Dolce Vita, right? Everybody's, everybody's heard that term, La Dolce Vita. It's, the, it's the, uh, the sweet life, the beautiful life. But there's another term, and the other term is La Dolce Faniente, and that means the sweetness of doing nothing. Hmm. And they value doing something and doing nothing as much. They're not, you know, my wife said to me, she said, I want you to look around. I said, what am I looking for? She goes, I want you to tell me what you notice. And I just see people walking. I said, i don't, I don't know what you mean. She said, how many people are on their phone? And I went, oh my God, they're not on their phone. It's weird because they have the Apple store right in the middle of the city, Mm -hmm. but they don't embrace that. These are not poor people. I mean, these are very wealthy people in wealthy cities in Europe.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. We there's so many things we can learn from spending time over there and bringing back to our lives here that it will give us a richer, more meaningful life experience for sure. Now, that's why you drag our asses all around the world a couple times a year, and I love the way that you do it. So you've got the work hard, play hard experience. Uh, it's like an anti mastermind, mastermind because it's nothing but really successful entrepreneur and business people, but. It's the people like Lori and I who are so busy and so driven that we don't make time to go overseas and we don't make time to have these experiences. And what you do is you basically make us put so much skin in the game in terms of money. Then you curate two extraordinary trips, like once in a lifetime experiences that we're forced to take these these timeouts because we already gave you the money. We put it on the calendar. And now we have to show up. And I got to tell you, it's the greatest gift you've ever given us, even though we hand you the big check for it, is the greatest gift you've ever given us because these are experiences and these are timeouts we wouldn't have otherwise. So talk to me about the work hard, play hard experience and some of the breakthroughs or some of the reasons that you actually go through the effort to put
0: this thing on. Yeah, look, I mean, everybody, you know, the, the benefit of having proximity to all these super successful people that are, you know, Having $100 million exits, how did they get the $100 million exit? They worked really, really hard, right? And when you're around people that love what they do, they don't view it as work. And because they don't view it as work, they don't take the time off to celebrate all of the beautiful things in life. And, you know, Jesse Isler um, had taught me that, you know, if the average person lives to be 80 years old and you're you know, 50 years old, you got about 30 summers left in you, right? So how do you want to spend those summers? How do you want to spend that time? And if if I leave it up to the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur is going to work more. They're not going to take the time. So I force them, put a little skin in the game, make sure that they schedule it, put it on the calendar. And I create these experiences for them that are going to be experiences that they're able to really step away from their day-to-day because, you know, where do you get your best ideas? You get your best ideas when you're in the shower. You get those ideas because you're stepping away from the computer. Nobody has ever generated a great idea staring at their phone. They've generated a great idea because they had dinner with somebody. They had a glass of champagne. Somebody said, you know, and they went, oh my God, I haven't even thought of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm trying to simulate those experiences by... Um, we'll use the example of the last trip that you were on, where you know you wake up in the morning and there's there's a series of 1960s and 70s vintage cars that are waiting exotic for exotic cars, Ferraris and <clears throat> Rolls Royces and all that, Porsches, yeah, that are waiting for you to go through the French Riviera. Um, and best day of my life, by the way. And have I'm a not master, kidding. Have a masterminding session at a castle called the Chevrador, or you know, the next day, waiting, waking up, and on the other side of the hotel is um, speedboats that. Uh, jet you off to San Tropez for the day. But the point is that the the trips and what we have upcoming now this summer, we're going to be in Mykonos and towards the end of the year, we're going to be in, uh, in Morocco and in Marrakesh. And so I've got a lot of ideas that are going to happen there. But the point is to force you to take the time off, to connect with like-minded people, to reignite Reinspire, light your soul on fire, and come back refreshed, renewed with bigger ideas. Man, it is the greatest thing on the planet. If someone wants to check into it, where they go? Work hard, play hard, mastermind.com.
1: Work hard, play hard, mastermind.com. All right, man, closing question. Well, before I get to that, where can we follow you? Where can we check you out?
0: You can go on uh, my Instagram at Rob Murgatroyd, or you could just go to workhardplayhardpodcast.com, or you could just Google work hard, play hard, and you'll find it. To this day, I still say
1: you're going to end up the best podcaster in history. I'm not joking. No exaggeration. You're well on your way. All right, man. Closing question. It's this. Give me a reason why we should be unapologetic about our pursuit of
0: success. Because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it for us?
1: Man, I love it. Short and sweet. My brother, thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I love it. Like You guys, here's what you can expect from us way more this year. Impromptu, drop in the seat. Let's just have a conversation. More episodes per week. More content per week. Let's just see what happens. And I can't wait to serve you guys in that way. And Rob, thank you, buddy, for coming and serving the audience with me.
0: Thank you. Let me tell you, he ain't kidding. Nah, get ready. We're going he, big. He literally, we were literally sitting here. He's like, let's do a podcast. There's, the man does not have a notes in his, he doesn't have a note on his desk. He doesn't have a pencil. And he's- I'm holding a dry eraser because <laughs> we had a strategy session. <laughs> he, this was completely unplanned, which is, uh, which is beautiful. Thank so. you
1: guys for listening. Listen, if you want to have a better relationship with your finances, especially in 2020, why not? Like, why not stop fearing your finances? I want you to go learn all of the secrets that my friends and I use at thetruthaboutmoney.com. The money.com. Truthaboutmoney.com, matter of fact, there's a free video series there if you want to first study that. But if you want to dive right in, you can actually use the coupon code MONEY in order to save $50 from the course that'll change your relationship with your finances forever. Go check it out. Thetruthaboutmoney.com.